2: You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hello everyone
0: and welcome to Unabridged. Today's episode is episode 177. We are doing fairy tale retellings today. Before we get started with our bookish check-in, we wanted to remind everybody to sign up for our newsletter. You can do that on unabridgedpod.com. We have a monthly newsletter that comes out at the beginning of the month that gives you a rundown of what to expect from Unabridged for the month. And then we have a second mid-month newsletter that comes out where each of us gives a favorite of the month and you just get a little bit more information on us and get to know us a little better. So definitely sign up for that. It's lots of fun and we there's lots of good content there for you
1: to check out. Let's get started with our bookish check-in. Ashley, what are you reading? So I have just barely started this one, but this is Chanel Cleeton's The Last Train to Key West, and my sister loaned this to me and said she really enjoyed it, and I also chose it. We're recording just a little bit ahead of schedule, and I chose it for my April Uncorked Reading Challenge selection that the topic for this month as a book that takes place largely on a train. And so I was, (laughs) I'm very at the tail end of the month here, but I'm going to slide this one in at the end of April. And like I said, I've been wanting to read it, but I didn't realize it is historical fiction and it takes place in 1935. And it's during a huge hurricane in the Caribbean. And So I'm really fascinated by just the very beginning. I only have Helen's perspective in the beginning. She's the narrator of the first part. And it's clear that she is afraid of her husband. He seems to be abusive. And there's this really ominous feeling of dread in the opening part. And we also find out quickly that she is pregnant. And he's a fisherman. And a lot of Her well-being is determined by the sea and by how his day goes based on what happens out on the boat. And so there's just a sense of desperation and also of loneliness. And in the opening part, she has these visions of him dying out on, on the boat. And so it's, you know, a feeling of her feeling oppressed by that relationship and unsure of what's going to happen. And so we see that in the opening scene and there's also a storm coming. And again, I only know about the hurricane because of the premise of the book, but it seems like the storm is coming but everyone thinks it's fine. And so you kind of see that happening at the beginning, but there's two other women as well. Mirta Perez is in this and also Elizabeth Preston. And they are three very different circumstances. Each woman's life is very unique from each other, but all of them are connected by this unexpected event and by this hurricane that's coming. And so I always love that when there are multiple perspectives and different lives that get connected by an event i it makes me think of i talked about frederick bachman's anxious people recently but that's one where everything is connected because these people are all together at an apartment showing and there is a hostage situation and so it's that same kind of thing we're very different lives but this event happens and the event pulls everyone together who otherwise wouldn't be connected so i'm just really intrigued it grabbed my attention right away. And so I'm looking forward to getting back to it. And then I've heard great things about this series. So there's multiple books and I've heard that all of them are really excellent. So I'm looking forward to this one. And then I've heard that the others are really great as well. So again, that's Chanel Cleeton's The Last Train to Key West. And I've only read, you know, just the briefest part at the beginning here, but I'm looking forward to diving back in.
0: That sounds great. I've read one book by her it's next year in Havana. And I enjoyed that. I read that for a book club.
2: Jen, what are you reading? So I am reading, thanks to Libro FM's ALC program, Jenny Lawson's Broken in the Best Possible Way. And this is read by the author, Jenny Lawson put together. It's, it's an essay collection. I would also call it kind of a memoir. And <laughs> I am loving it. It is Her narration is amazing. So parts of it are very moving and parts of it are absolutely laugh out loud funny. So Lawson here is talking a lot about her depression, her anxiety. She also has several autoimmune disorders. And so A lot of the more solemn parts of the book are her talking about how she is dealing with those issues about her discussing the insurance system in the United States and the healthcare industry in the United States and the way that they are broken and the way that she is trying to have a a good life while also dealing with these issues that in some ways compound each other. So at one point, she talks about a medication that helps her autoimmune disorder, but that conflicts with the medicine she's taking for her depression, and just having to make these really horrible decisions about which thing to treat, about which thing to prioritize at that given time. Which I know th- that sounds like a hard read, and those those chapters are definitely difficult. But then there are also these chapters that are just hilarious, and they are about just these kind of mundane parts of life, but the way Lawson writes about them is so, so funny. There's one part where she's talking about having to groom her dog. I will say she's pretty profane and there's an area of her dog that she has to have groomed. So she goes to the store and tries to explain what she's trying to do. (laughs) I mean, I have not laughed so hard in a long, long time listening to an audio book, but I was cracking up. There's one part where she talks a lot about how we all have say dumb things every day, basically where we say the most awkward thing possible at the worst possible moment every day. And she put out this call on Twitter for people to share that thing that they said. And she is just reading through the responses she got on her Twitter account. And I kept having to pause because I was laughing so hard that I couldn't hear the next thing. So yeah, it is. I I am just absolutely loving this book and I think you both would love it. And I think I can't imagine any readers who would not enjoy this one. So that is Jenny Lawson's Broken in the Best Possible Way. And that is out now for purchase. I really want to read that. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. You are going to love it so much. (laughs) It just does all the things really, really well. Sarah, what are you reading? I am reading a memoir
0: by a chef. Her name is Erin French. She is the owner of The Lost Kitchen, which is a critically acclaimed dining experience. And this is her memoir. It, the, the full name title of the book is Finding Freedom, A Cook Story, Remaking a Life from Scratch. And I'm reading it courtesy of Galley. This came out, I'm a bit behind, but it just, it came out the very beginning of April and I am I am reading it. It is really good. It's about her childhood with working in her father's diner and kind of she's been growing into a young woman and the path that her life takes. I am not too far into it, so I don't know a ton, but I do know that she has some, significant struggles along the way. And I really like it. You know, I love a food memoir. I love books about chefs. And so this is right up my alley and I'm really enjoying it. So that is Erin French's Finding Freedom, a cook
2: story remaking a life from scratch. I just got that one from Celadon and I cannot wait to read it.
0: I really like it so far. And I, and I just love reading about people's life experience and I like food books. So it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. So now we're going to get started with our main discussion today. We are talking all about fairy tale retellings, and we wanted to remind you that this is part of our unabridged pod reading challenge, and it is for the category fairy tale retellings. And we are going to give you some suggestions today. And there are so many. When I was trying to figure out what I wanted to read, I googled it, and I was, I didn't even realize how many were available, but there are a lot. And you can, it's not too late. You can jump in our reading challenge anytime. And that can be, all that information can be found on our website at unabridgedpod.com backslash reading challenge 2021. So definitely join us if you can. All right, Jen, do you want to give us your pick for today's discussion?
2: Sure. So I will say this is a category that I absolutely love. I do read a lot of fairy tale retellings. And so I had a hard time deciding, but I settled on a series that I recently finished. I'm really going to focus on the first book. So the series is Bridget Kemmerer's Curse Breakers. But the book I'm focusing on is A Curse So Dark and Lonely. And that is partly because, as with many series, if I talk about books two and three, there will be spoilers. I also think that the connection to the fairy tale is strongest in this first book. So A Curse So Dark and Lonely alternates between three points of view, and it is based on the Beauty and the Beast fairy tale. So as in Beauty and the Beast, there is a prince. He is cursed. He has to find love to break the curse. So that is at the book center. The prince here is Ren, and he has been cursed by a horrible enchantress to turn into an awful monster periodically. So in Beauty and the Beast, the beast is always a beast. In this one, Ren looks like a handsome prince but toward the end of the curse each year, which cycles through again and again, he turns into a horrible beast that kills people in the village. He has killed members of his family and he is very tormented by what he does when he's a beast. He doesn't have control. He becomes more animal than man. And that is a large part of the curse itself. It's not just the fact that it's a beast. It's that he hurts people and he loses control and he knows that it's coming. So he has become immortal because of this curse. Cursed with him is a member of his guard named Gray. And Gray has been with him since the beginning. They're about the same age. They're both late teens, early 20s. And even though they are the only ones left in the castle, Grey still very much acts the guard and makes sure that Ren feels like he is the prince. One of the services that Grey has to perform for Wren is when it's time for Wren to try to find love again, Grey has the ability to change worlds and he comes into our, our world of Earth in the present day and he retrieves a girl or a woman who may fall in love with Ren and takes her back to this fairy tale realm where they live. So he is wrapped up in this guilt that Ren feels as well. And he is torn between his duty to Ren and the feelings he has for these girls who he's taking from their homes, who he's taking from their whole existences and bringing to this other place to try to fall in love with this guy who he knows is eventually going to turn into a beast. So they have gotten to the end of the curse because this time, if Ren does not fall in love, he is going to die. So they know this is his last chance for love. And Grey goes to Earth and takes a girl named Harper. And Harper is really the first girl who fights back. She fights Gray when he tries to take her. She gets to this fairy tale realm and she is continuing to fight Gray. She fights Ren. She is incredibly defiant. And as so often happens in the romances, that is incredibly attractive to the handsome prince. One of the things that I really appreciated about this book is that Harper has cerebral palsy and this disability becomes a part of. Her journey in this fairy tale realm called Emberfall. And because she has this disability, she has a limp and she has learned to account for that in the world of Earth. But of course, the challenges that she has to deal with in Emberfall are quite different. So she wants to learn to fight with a sword. And so Grey is having to help her figure out how to account for the weakness on that side of her body as she's learning to fight with a sword. And part of this is that she and Grey develop this really strong relationship too. So you see this romance developing between her and Ren as she is challenging him and challenging him to try to do the right thing, even though he feels like his fate is always going to end the same way. But you also see her and Gray develop this relationship that is making him think about his own guilt and his own duty to Ren and his duty to himself. The switch in perspectives here works really, really well both to build suspense and to enrich each of these characters. And, I really want to say something about books two and three there, but I will just say, I really appreciate the way that Kemmerer through the whole series lets us see different sides of the story and lets us consider points of view that I think other authors might have left out, but Kemmerer does a great job just bringing in this multitude of perspectives so that we can truly understand the impact that this curse has had even outside of these three characters. So I know Ashley has read and loved this too. So Ashley, if I left out something big, you can feel free to chime in. But I, I just absolutely loved A Curse to Dark and Lonely and the whole Curse Breakers trilogy.
1: Yeah, I like how you highlighted the connection with Grey. One of the things I really loved about this one that I thought was different than a lot of other romance stories and also the fairy tales is the inclusion of the third character, who is such a significant part of the story. I love the kinship and friendship between Ren and Gray. And then I also love the relationship that develops between Harper and Gray. And so I think all of that leveled it up in some ways for me, as far as just complexity of characters and storyline. And then, like you said, I loved all the ways that we navigate with Harper, her disability and that that is an integral part of the story, but is also just a part of her as a person and as a character. Yeah, so I thought all of that was really rich. And I can't wait. I've only read the first. So I cannot wait to get back to those. I hope to do that this summer. I'm looking forward to books two and three.
2: I can't wait to hear what you think. I love them so much. I
0: really want to
1: read those. I know you both love the first one. So
2: yeah, with the way you love fantasy, Sarah, oh my gosh, you would love it.
1: And sometimes I like to read the whole series at once. So I think there's some joy in when they've all come out and getting to read them all in a short period of time. Sometimes that's really satisfying. Yes. I don't
0: like to wait. So (laughs) I, especially in fantasy, I like to be able to read them
1: one, one right Mm -hmm. after the other. So Ashley, what is your pick? So I wanted to come back to an old favorite for me. And this is Marissa Meyer's Cinder. And this is part of the Lunar Chronicles series. And I've read all of them and I thought they were all fantastic, but I'm going to focus on Cinder. But I think this is a great pick for people who love fairy tale retellings because each story is a different fairy tale. So Scarlet and Winter and Cress are also other fairy tales and so i think if you like fairy tale retellings it's nice that it's not just a single cinder is a retelling of cinderella but then like scarlet is little red riding hood so i think if you enjoy that it's cool that each one has its own premise that's based on a different fairy tale so i love that and i wanted to share it for that reason but another reason i wanted to share this as my pick is because i think that the way that marissa meyer does such a great job of integrating different parts of the fairy tales but creating an entirely different world where these things take place is really well done so this one is because it's also there's she's building a world and so i think that's really cool that you have these connections so in cinder you have connections to the original fairy tale in the sense that she has a stepmother and stepsisters who are terrible to her there is a prince she does fall in love with the prince there is limitations that prevent her from being able to connect. So there's all these really nice touchstones to the original fairy tale. But in this version, Cinder is part android. And so she's a cyborg. And so I think that is just really fascinating. So it is a sci-fi book Mm -hmm. as well. And I just think that's really cool. And also there are, so there's the world where she lives in New Beijing and she is a cyborg, and because of that, she is discriminated against by a lot of the prejudiced people in her community. So there's a lot of bias against people who are cyborgs and yet they're a big part of the society and so i think that part is really interesting but also there are people there's a lunar population hence the title the lunar chronicles and so there are people on the moon and there are a whole civilization as well and there's all this stuff happening between i don't want to spoil but there's a lot going on between the lunar population and the earth population and so that is all just really fascinating so i think what's really neat about it is that she takes this story that's commonly known but then she creates this entire world that is absolutely fascinating and explores it and so cinder is a mechanic And she's really good at what she does. And she has an android, ICO who helps her. And early on in the book, she is working in her shop and a heavily cloaked person (laughs) comes in. And as she is helping this person, she comes to realize that it is the prince who has come in and needs some help with an android. And so, the story evolves from there and she gets to know him and becomes a really important part of kind of a motley crew of of people who band together people and androids and cyborgs who band mm-hmm. together to fight against some really horrific things that are happening there is a plague that is ongoing that they're trying to eradicate and protect the citizens from and like I said, there's also a lot happening with the lunar community, some of which is known and some of which is not known in the beginning. But those things evolve as the story progresses. And I just absolutely love it. I think that I Cinder is one of my favorite characters. I love that she is tough and that she's a mechanic and that she is technical and you know has a technical mind and is just so different from what you see as being a traditional Cinderella. And yet this is such a really cool version of that story where she is so empowered and in control and assertive and brave. And I, I just think all of that is really great. So I can't say enough about this series. I loved all of them. I loved it the whole way through. And I think that's something that's hard with series as well. But I thought that each story is unique enough. And yet there's an ongoing narrative that's really mm-hmm. fascinating. So Jen has read this as well. If I don't know if you want to add on. but But yeah, I mean, I just think the whole series is great.
2: Yeah, that was one of my favorite things too, is just that with each new book, it levels up the complexity of the narrative. And so you kind of have this, I was thinking of the X-Files for some reason, like you have the episode of the week part, but then you also have the arc that runs through the whole thing. So she's just so clever in the way she uses those fairy tales. And the same way that she reinvents Cinderella, she's reinventing these other characters and making them much more than they were in the original stories. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Kind of challenging those original narratives, but also including them in interesting ways.
0: Mm-hmm. I haven't read those, but I had students that love
1: them. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great series. I absolutely love it. And I would be happy to reread them. They're just a uh-huh. lot of fun. They're a lot of fun. What about you, Sarah? What's your pick? My pick is The House of Salt and
0: Sorrow. This book is by Aaron A. Craig. And this is a retelling of the 12 dancing princesses. And I love that fairy tale growing up. I loved, I just thought it was so romantic the way that the girls would go out and dance. And I just really liked it. I had that background of that, that fairy tale going into this book. And this book is very dark. I do want to say that it is very dark and there are some very macabre scenes and, but i really loved it i thought it was great but but it was a lot darker than i was anticipating even though the the book is called the house of salt and sorrows i still thought there would be more of a fairy taleish happening mm-hmm. but it it definitely was very grim and dark so anyway the person who is the main character in the story is anna lee She lives in a place called Highmore. They are people of the sea. So they are the God that they worship is the sea God. And there were 12 sisters. This is not a spoiler, but at the beginning, everybody is in mourning because four of the sisters have died and each one has had a really sad death and their mom is dead. And it's just everybody in the area thinks that they are cursed because of all this death and you come to find out that they have really been in mourning they for everybody who dies it is expected that a year of mourning occurs and they have been in mourning for like 5 years because every time they are coming out of mourning another terrible tragedy happens so that's the start so as you can tell it is very grim mm-hmm. and <laughs> because when i started out i was like what is happening the 12 sisters are supposed to go dancing (laughs) but four of them are dead Mm -hmm. so it is it is very dark but anyway so annalee starts feeling like some of the deaths have been there's been foul play and so she is trying to figure out what is happening and what what the foul play is and I don't want to give anything away because there are a lot of twists and turns and there are lots of characters who come in and out. And I mean, it's just very twisty. So I don't want to give away any of the twists because I thought they were really good. But basically, this story is about Anna Lee trying to avenge her sister's deaths and some things that happen during the course of the story. She's trying to figure out what is going on if you are sensitive in terms of like grisly imagery and things like that, there's a lot of grisly imagery that, that, I mean, I'm not very sensitive to that, but I thought, you know, that if you're, if you get scared or spooked easily, it's, it's pretty intense for especially for a YA novel, but it's great. It's twisty. It's mysterious. It is a little, it is kind of sad in several places but I thought it was a very clever retelling of the 12 Dancing Princesses. It was not at all what I expected, and it was kind of creepy, like a ghost story. So I thought that I think this would be great for our Spooky Reads episode because it was pretty spooky and mysterious. So I really liked it. It was a very worth it and very compelling. And I listened, I read it and listened to the audio, and the narrator on the audio was terrific. So I recommend this one. And so that is House of Salt and Sorrows by Erin A. Craig. It's a retelling of the 12 Dancing Princesses.
1: Yeah, I loved that one, Sarah. And I agree that I didn't know what to expect going into it, but I thought it was fascinating. And I loved the twists
0: that Mm -hmm.
1: happened. I thought it was really unexpected, but I found them very interesting. Yes. Yeah. When I went into it, I remember when
0: I was a little girl, my grandmother had this fairy tale book. And so I would read the 12 Dancing Princesses. And in the book, I remember this picture of these girls in these frothy dresses with these pretty slippers on and their hair all up. And this is not that. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> this is not that. This is not that.
2: I read this. This was one of my first books to bookstagram buddy reads. And it was really great for a discussion. But I will say there were quite different opinions about it, because I think a lot of people were disappointed that it wasn't that romantic fairy tale feeling. And then other people, me included, love that because, yeah, I love it when they take that source material and just twist it. And I thought, Craig, yeah, again, the twists, I agree, were really great.
0: Yeah. And I guess I I mean even though it's a fairy tale, I mean there is a lot of like magical elements. I said maybe not even magical but supernatural elements that I wasn't expecting. I mean there's just a lot of that and I yeah. uh, but I love that. So I was pleasantly surprised by that. All right. Well, we hope that you have enjoyed our descriptions of these fairy tale retellings. We're very interested to know what you're reading for the unabridged reading challenge. Other Fairy tale retellings that you have to recommend to us. As you can tell, we all really like this, this category of books. And so we are always w- welcoming to any of your favorites. So definitely let us know on Instagram or, or by email or on Facebook. We would love to hear that. Before we end, we are going to end the way we end every episode with, <laughs> with our Give Me One. And I our category today, I, w- I wonder if nothing, none of them would be an appropriate answer. But, but our category today is household chore that you don't mind. Ashley, what's in a household chore you don't mind?
1: <laughs> I could agree with the, None of them, right? Does anyone like household chores? I feel like the, the term chore, we always try to avoid that with our kids because chore has such a negative connotation. But one that I find relatively satisfying actually is vacuuming. I just like, We have hardwood floors, so I actually think I would like vacuuming a lot less if we had carpet everywhere, but because we have predominantly hardwood floors, I'm mostly vacuuming rugs and that is very satisfying because it's usually not a huge space and there is a very visible, well, we have a dog who sheds a lot. So for us, it's a very visible result, even if it's only been a couple of days. And so I like that because I find it satisfying and also it's loud. So no one can talk to me while, I am vacuuming, which I'm good for, and <laughs> I usually put my headphones in and listen to an audiobook and turn it up loud so that I can hear it over the vacuum, and all of that works really well for me, <laughs> so although I should say that as I'm saying this, I'm like, well, we also bought one of those robot vacuums, which I will just want to say that of all the purchases we've ever made in our house, that is one of my very, very, very top purchases is a robot vacuum. So... I am only vacuuming things like the rug because we run the the robot vacuum for it. We call them Bebop and we run Bebop for everywhere that's not a rug. So that makes it a lot easier also, which is probably part of why I like Mm -hmm. it because I, you know, it's a pretty small space that I'm needing to do it for. But for if you have hardwood floors or, you know, for like our kitchen, I mean, it works great for that.
2: Jen, what is yours? So mine is laundry and I think, I don't like enjoy laundry, <laughs> but I do think there's a sense of routine there and I can turn my brain off. And Ashley mentioned audiobooks. Yeah, I get a lot of audiobook and podcast listening done while I'm doing the laundry because it doesn't require a lot of thought. You know, I put it in the washer, I walk away and do other things, I come back. So it's kind of a periodic thing throughout the day. But because it does have that sense of routine. I don't have to think about it. It is satisfying when it's done. I feel ready to start the week. And so it's almost that kind of ritual to end the week and start a new one and then feel reset to do something new. So yeah, that would
1: be mine. I could agree with that, Jen, that I don't I don't love that one. Like vacuuming, I get a real sense of satisfaction, mm-hmm. which probably attests to the fact that I don't do it as often as I should. I think that might be the case. But <laughs> But with laundry, I agree about the routine part, that there is something to the the ritual component of it that is comforting. Yeah. All right, Sarah, how about you?
2: I like Ashley. After
0: Ashley raved about her robot vacuum, I asked for one of those for Christmas and I love it, especially now that we have a dog. I love that thing. So I could say vacuuming because I don't have to do it. <laughs> 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 but I probably cooking is my favorite because I mean, I really do love to cook. The thing that I, makes me not want to do it is the cleaning up part because I hate loading and unloading the dishwasher and all that but I do really enjoy cooking if you follow me on Instagram you know I like to take cooking classes and all that so I like to cook especially for my husband because he loves all different kinds of stuff so he is always so appreciative of everything I cook and is always very complimentary you know because he likes to try new things so that makes me want to do it more often But I don't like the cleaning up part. And I also don't like shopping for groceries. So that's, I feel like those are the bookends on cooking. So I do enjoy the cooking part. So that's probably my favorite. All right. Well, we hope that you have enjoyed this episode on fairy tale retellings. And we would love to know your recommendations for this category. And also, we will be doing our Give Me One post coming up and with this category. So make sure that you check it out on Instagram and let us know which household chore that you don't mind doing because we would love to know thanks for listening do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today we'd love to hear
1: them you can find us on instagram facebook and twitter at Pod, or on the web at underbridgepod.com for a list of ways to support us
2: We'd like to thank Jared Featherstone, who composed our theme music, Strings of Light, and Katie Amy of Amy Photography, our podcast photographer. Thanks for listening to Unabridged.